Welcome back to the Happily Human Podcast. I'm Annie. And I'm Jess. And today we're going to have kind of like a more fluid conversation about anxiety and control. Uh, Dr. Joy Bracey on TikTok mm-hmm. actually reached out uh, after listening to our last podcast and recommended that we talk a little bit more about our need to control things in our lives. So I that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So how do you want to start this off? Oh, I don't know. I would like to just put a disclaimer that there's been a lot of crying already this morning, so this could be a lot of sniffling. And it wasn't even my fault. No, it wasn't. wasn't. No, it was hormones. We can thank hormones in Mother Nature for this this cry. This delicate time. Ugh, yeah. What a wonderful experience. Okay, so I guess if we're really starting about talking about control, if, you know, we want to start talking about... For me personally, I've had a lot of need to control things in my life. I think that's how I feel more comfortable. Now, when we were, uh, this topic was suggested to us, it was in relation to how we like to replay or play out scenarios that are hypothetical and like uh, catastrophic so that we're not surprised quote unquote, by um, something occurring in our lifetime to us. So if, you know, a lot of times I used to be the type to over plan down, like if we were going somewhere, I, and I still do this sometimes, but I would look at, like if we were going to dinner and I'd never been to the restaurant before, okay, I would look at the menu beforehand Mm -hmm. to figure out what I want to eat. I would look at the place on Google Images so I knew what it looked like on the outside. (laughs) I would look up parking spots or parking lots nearby if they didn't have one so that I would know where to park. I would leave extra early so I wouldn't (laughs) be late. And then I would always, and I still do this, and I'm 36, so (laughs) I would always text or call the person I'm meeting to see if they were already there. Oh, I don't know what it is about walking into a restaurant not knowing if your party is there. Like, how did people... I mean, I grew up when we didn't have cell phones. Like, I would go meet people at the mall when there was no cell phone. But, like, you have to really trust that people are going to be there and that you're going to be able to find them. And that is, like, a wild concept to me. See, and I'm the complete opposite. I get frustrated when I'm meeting someone at a restaurant and I get the text, Are you there? Because in my mind, I'm like, you are an adult. Do you know how many times I've been the one to do that to you? A lot. <laughs> I know. You but I'm like, you anything. are an adult. Go inside. You know, if I'm also one of those that if I get there first, which I probably will, because I too have scoped out the parking situation, um, the menu definitely. And uh, I'm always early for things. So usually I'm the first one at the restaurant. Then I will text and say, hey, I'm sitting at such and such. But if I get a text that says, are you there? I'm like, you're an adult. Just go inside. It's It's not that easy. I know it's not. It's so not. I know it's not. Um, And I mean, I I think, I mean, I can't say that I've never done that, especially in like really crowded areas. But no, usually I'm just like, let's go in. And do this. I don't know why it's so anxiety producing to me. Like, I feel like I'm going to walk around alone. Maybe I did hear about something recently with people who have ADHD and rejection sensitivity mm-hmm. and those being like a combined link. So mm-hmm. if anyone's listening and knows anything about that, if you don't mind, like 
comment and let us know if you're aware of that situation or know more about it. I haven't done enough research on it, but apparently it's like a big deal for people with ADHD that they have like rejection sensitivity. Um, so I wonder if it has to do with that, that I'm just like afraid I'll be there alone, but that does remind me. Actually, I think I might've just had an epiphany. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, surprise. So when I was in like fourth grade, Mm -hmm. this is probably exactly what it is. Um, when I was in fourth grade, I went to a very small private school and there was like, when I graduated high school, there was 86 people in Mm -hmm. my graduating class. Like we had like the local public school, high school's marching band was larger than my whole high school, (laughs) you know, like literally not even kidding. And so, um, it was very small and we all went to school together from like, like lower school until graduation. But anyway, so fourth grade, I was the new girl in this like little whatever school and uh, we were at lunch one day, and I was, like, not a popular kid. I mean, as, like, you could have a popular crowd when there's 86 <laughs> of you, you know? like, Ooh. And um, you're in fourth grade. <laughs> right. Um, but we did. Somehow there were popular people, and they were, like, labeled the cool kids, whatever. And it wasn't a big deal. Like, it was fine. Um, but I was, like, the new kids, and I wasn't, like, popular. I was just, like, in existence. And there was, like, a popular, like, boy And we were at lunch one day and like he or his friend, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but they were like, oh my God, do you want to go out to the movies with him? He wants to date you. I mean, first of all, we're like (laughs) eight years old. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? Hold hands. Um, But they're like, you know, he wants to go out to the movie with you and date you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like what movie? And it was Dante's Peak. Oh. Like I uh remember, I don't have a lot of childhood memories because like trauma and I, Uh you know, suppress. But I remember this, like, very vividly. It was Dante's Peak. And not to age myself, but this is when you had to look up movies in the newspaper to mm. see when they were playing. Um, and it was even before AOL Movie Phone. You remember oh, that? Yeah. Where you had to call? Uh-huh. Um, so this was, like, back then. So he's like, yeah, meet me at Blah 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 Theater. We'll go to the 715 showing or, like, something of Dante's Peak. Was it Lion's Head? Lion's Head? No, it was oh. Thoroughbred. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, like I just got asked out. <laughs> so I go home and I, I don't know if it was like intuition. I mean, it had to have been, I was eight. Like, what did I know? It was either intuition or I already had a lack of self-confidence. And I was like, there's no way this dude is taking me to the movies. Um, which is kind of sad now that I think about it. And so I had told my mom about it and she was like, okay, well, like, I'm happy to take you. Just look in the, look in the paper and make sure that the movie's still playing at that time. And I went to go look in the paper and the movie wasn't out yet Mm. or it wasn't playing that night or Mm -hmm. there was something where the movie didn't exist Mm -hmm. basically at that time. And so I was like, oh, I don't think that there's a showing at that time. So it turns out... (laughs) That I guess my, and I don't know this part very much either because my mom just kind of sheltered me from when she would do things like Mm -hmm. this, but I guess she called his mom or called him and told them about the situation and he admitted that he was doing it because he was dared to do it and I was going to be stood up Mm -hmm. and that I was going to go to, the goal was that I went to the movie and I don't think he did it maliciously. He was eight, you know, whatever. (laughs) The goal was that I went to the movie and nobody was there and that everybody could laugh at my expense and And uh, I remember that still to this day. And I wonder if that's why when I go places, I'm so crazy about knowing that the person is there. Probably. So I'd like to shout out that. No, (laughs) I'd like to. (laughs) No, no. Um, Of course, you know, like I'm not upset about that or anything. It doesn't haunt me. Obviously, I just remembered it. But um, it 
it's definitely interesting how there can be events like that in your childhood and even in your life that create these behavior patterns of control that mm-hmm. you don't even realize are related, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, it, you know, I think a lot of the stuff we talk about on this podcast, too, it all intertwines. So I feel like we're going to bring up the same themes of, like, mm-hmm. self-worth and all of that uh, the more we talk. But is there anything in your life that you feel like you have to hyper-control? Oh, um, relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you like to expand um, on that? <laughs> like romantic relationships. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at that. Um, I know that in my childhood, I dealt with um, my parents being um, having infidelity. And I was brought to my attention at a pretty pivotal age as a young girl. I mean, I was like 11. Actually, I was a lot older, but... When I actually knew what was going on, it was probably between 11 and 13. So in my adulthood, it was the control of where are you, what are you doing, um, the constant need to know what was going on. Um, Shamelessly to the point where I know that there are women out here that can relate, uh, the drive-bys, the the late night Mm -hmm. drive-bys, which now looking back on, I'm like, okay, so their car was in the driveway. That doesn't mean A, that they were home. (laughs) be that they were home alone like um but yeah I was I was a good drive-by person well also like I don't like I I don't think I did drive-bys for my people but I was always like the ride-along partner Mm. that you would call but like what were we gonna do yeah if we saw the car like some people have the balls to go out there and be like who's this in your house but like I would have just been like silently crying like you know I was to the point with, and I was in my late 20s, and it was a very toxic relationship. Um, I knew we were on a break. I say that in quotations. We, we are. And um, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep because I knew that the new girlfriend was over there. And I got in my car, and I drove 30 minutes just to see her car in the driveway. Just to just. Just to hurt your feelings. Just to hurt myself. Yeah. yeah. The control of that. Because, yeah, I was not, I'm not the the girl that's going to go knocking on the door or make a scene. It was just all my internal whatever. So controlling that aspect of it. And then um, I've also have realized about myself that when I've done something wrong and I know that I'm about to um, be talked to about it, mm. I want control of that situation there's nothing worse than a we need to talk text message yes and hear me say this now if you know me and we have a relationship okay and you send me that you better prepare for an immediate phone call don't tell me we need to talk but in three hours yeah that is not fair um and i can relate this to work and annie has worked with me for i mean we worked together like 10 12 years um when i was at work and i knew that i maybe had messed up or had was going to get talked to, was going to get scolded. I was very much a go to every coworker and be like, you're never going to believe what just happened. And like, I needed validation Mm -hmm. and control of the situation. Um, and you know, but I've learned that about me. And so toward, you know, now I just like, yeah, you know, I did it. I screwed up. I'm sorry. I can't, but those two things, relationships of, I need to know where you're doing, what do you, at all times, where are you? Um, just because the fear of trust. Yeah. Um, and then I think the control at work thing just also goes back to my childhood of, um, always having to defend myself, Mm. um, in situations. And so I was 
I think that's where that comes from. It's such a good point to bring that up, especially about the validation, because I I think we all do this at certain points in our lives where something happens with somebody or we have like an argument or we get in trouble or whatever. And we have to go relive that Mm -hmm. through conversation to like, at least I used to do it to like four or five people where I'd be like, this just happened to me. Can you believe it? Let me tell you this whole story. And it was truly for validation. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it until you just brought it up. The the fact that I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I may talk to someone about something like you, you know, go over things, just kind of clear my head, get it out in the open because I'm a verbal processor. I do. That's why we're here. You too. You <laughs> yeah. know, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we're verbal processors. So like we understand and can make connections better through verbally talking about our issues as opposed to for me, like writing isn't as great as verbal communication, but some people love writing. So, um, but it's interesting you brought that up because I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that it's because I feel valid. I can validate myself for the first time in many years. Mm -hmm. I'm able to say, no, Annie, that was a rational thing that you did. It was okay. You didn't do anything wrong or this was your mistake and this is how you can fix it or this is what you can do differently next time, you know. And having just enough confidence to be able to talk yourself through something is kind of life-changing, you know. I'm not there yet. Well, I mean, I'm not there about everything. <laughs> like I'm not over here like willy-nilly. I still need a therapist, you know, but like I <laughs> but I know now that if I have an argument with somebody, I'm not going to every single person that will listen. Yeah to get them to be like, no, you're a right yeah. or you're this or you're that just to hear them say it. I, I can talk myself through it and be like, Hey, and then occasionally I'm like, am I, was this weird? Or, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while I like to gaslight myself just to keep it spicy. Oh yeah. yeah I'm great at gaslighting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that's really where I feel like I have to have a lot of control in things. I'm sure my friends and family could come in and rattle off a million and one areas that I need control in. But I think those are my two that I've really focused on and have really worked on in the last couple of months, especially when it comes to relationships of, you know, driving by is not going to, not, not, not going to prove option. anything, yeah. not an option, not, yeah. So, you know, just letting go and just trusting, learning mm-hmm. how to. Yeah, and I think we talk a little bit about presence work in some of our other podcasts as well. But I think this is when presence really is the is the forefront of mm-hmm. what we should be focusing on. And that's acceptance of the now. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of what we're dealing with when we're dealing with control is trying to focus on the future mm-hmm. and future outcomes, future expectations. And so we set up all these scenarios like, well, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do mm-hmm. that, then this will happen. If I do this, then that will happen. And all that that's really doing is taking us away from what is happening right now, which is usually none of the things we're worried about. You know, sometimes, sometimes things are happening right now that aren't great and that is something you can deal with as it happens but it's really important when you're looking at your life um, from the standpoint and saying like oh I do have this behavior pattern because I feel the need for control well it's rooted in the fact that I'm afraid or have fear of the future outcome I need to take a step back and focus on where I am right now be in my breath right now be in my body right now what is going on in my life right now Um, and sometimes that can feel overwhelming or you're not really sure how to do that and meditation is a really great Mm -hmm. tool 
Um, I know you've been doing some positive affirmation meditation. I lately. have, yeah. And um, the meditation part is really what I think has helped a lot, um, especially when it comes to control, because it, if anything's going to teach you control, I think it's meditation because it is not easy. You know, and when I first went into meditation, I'm a zero to 100 um, type of person. So when I went in, I thought I needed the flowy white dress and sit cross-legged with my hands on my knees. Well, I physically can't sit cross-legged. I don't need to be wearing anything white because I can get it dirty within three minutes. But the control of your mind, and that's what was so hard because you sit there and you have to bring yourself back. Like I can do five deep breaths and really be in the moment. But by breath six, I'm like, I gotta go get kitty litter today. And you know, Oh, I should, I need to call so-and-so. And then by breath eight, I'm like, focus. Um, so it's really taken me a lot to, and I still do it, but I've gotten better at just being, like you said, in the moment and let's, let's do this. Um, guided meditation has been, the best thing I think that helps when you have prompts. Um, if you're new to meditation, I don't recommend sitting down and trying to clear your head on your own because you'll be thinking about kitty litter. Um, but yeah, no, I think, but that's really helped with the control. And like you said, being in the now, um, I have always been a plan ahead, um, type of person and like think ahead, but all my think ahead conversations always end negative. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've trained my brain to think that way. Um, And so I'm trying to retrain my brain to be like, not everything is going to end so negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of hard to do sometimes as well. It's definitely difficult. I know I started, I don't, so the first thing I will say, if you're, if you are new to meditation, remember it's a practice, so you have to do it to get better at it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to talk about when you start meditating, whether you choose, I started with guided meditation because I don't like silence. (laughs) Uh, Silence to me is really hard to be accommodated to because working in the ICU as a nurse for so long, we were so overwhelmed with sound that I didn't didn't hear science silence for like 10 years of my life you know and then I had kids so I'm just never gonna it's never gonna be silent so for me silence feels uncomfortable sometimes and um and it's okay like you don't have to sit down I have so many things I want to say about meditation I'm like real hype on it right now um you don't have to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes mm-hmm. to, for it to be effective in fact you don't even really have to sit down in preparation to meditate if you don't want to you can simply drive to work turn your car off in park close your eyes for one minute Mm -hmm. and take some deep breaths and if you have a thought this is the most important part if you have a thought about kitty litter or whatever (laughs) it's not so much about forcing the thought out and and resisting Mm -hmm. the thought and pushing it away it's truly about allowing the thought to flow in and then releasing the thought back mm-hmm. out and then coming back to your center. That's what you're looking for in your meditative practice. And the more you do it, the easier to get. You know, the first time you do it, it's going to be a struggle. And some days are really hard and some days are really easy to meditate. Um, it just depends on where you are in life. But I feel like meditation is so, I think it's just starting to become like such a big topic mm-hmm. lately that it's so good for everyone 
to at least do a little bit in your day to try to begin your day with meditation Mm -hmm. and to close your day with meditation just a minute or two you can even meditate actively there's so many ways to do it you know and one of the best ways to meditate actively is to just be present and focus on what your body is doing at that time so if you're doing the dishes you're not thinking about your grocery list Mm -hmm. or what you need to get or what you need to clean you're thinking about I am washing a dish the water is warm I am participating in this activity fully I'm fully present in this moment and it sounds silly but it really does quiet your brain down and your brain learns to be more quiet the more your brain your brain is quiet so um but yeah that's a great way to help with control and anxiety for sure one of the practices that I've incorporated in the last couple of weeks um is every morning I go and I sit outside and I journal and I do a little um you know, affirmations, intentions, gratitude. And then I take, I don't know, just depending on what my mood is, I take anywhere from five to 20 minutes. And I don't, I meditate, but my meditation is listen to nature. Mm. And that calms me down, um, which is weird because I've never been, but I mean, Annie and I've been on the phone before and I'm like, hello, butterfly. (laughs) Hello. You know, but like listening to the birds and the bugs and the leaves and everything and that is that's my meditation and um that's really where I just calm myself I did have a moment the a couple days ago where I knew I was very anxious I don't know what I was anxious about I just woke up with some really bad anxiety and I knew it and I said you need to go outside and you need to meditate and I did and I turned my whole day around it went from like a really craptastic morning to an absolutely amazing day I'm a big proponent for outside time in nature Mm -hmm. um and my partner is is as well he Mm -hmm. is very adamant about making sure he's outside for a meditative Mm -hmm. walk or something as as often as possible but I really think that even if it's cold like even if it's raining even and sometimes the rain if you've not gone outside in the rain not when there's lightning and thunder but if you haven't gone outside in the rain lately in a nice shower when it's warm enough and stood out there and let that rain fall on you, you're doing something wrong in your life. You need to do that immediately. I love a good dance in the rain. I do too. Love a good care. dance in I'm the rain. I'm hugging no. trees. Yep. I'm dancing in the rain. I'm sure care. my neighbors are like, oh, cuckoo, cuckoo's out at again, <laughs> dancing in the rain. But I'm sure they're like, there yeah. she goes, just prancing around in her backyard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really think there's something very special about being outside. And I think that our mental health really craves and needs that. Um, I have a really good friend. Her name is Karen Joy. She has an Instagram. She is a, a presence practitioner. She's absolutely incredible. Um, and she and we talk frequently, but she calls it forest bathing. Her mm-hmm. and her partner go into the forest very frequently and they just are surrounded by the forest. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. I wish I had a forest to go bathe in, but I don't. I just have some rolling hills and hay bales and that's okay <laughs> with me. Um, but the first few times I started going outside, really intentionally going outside, not just going to the mailbox or whatever, I remember sitting on the porch and being like, are the birds just like super loud? I don't remember the birds being so loud in childhood, but Mm -hmm. um, it's because I wasn't used to that sound anymore. Mm -hmm. And so my ears were just readjusting to hearing nature. And it really is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's my it's my calming. So let's talk a little bit more about being in the present, because I I very much struggle with that. It's like my favorite topic. I know. And I just, again, I'm an instant gratification purpose. So I just need you to snap your fingers and just be like, you are now living in the present. (laughs) 
I don't even, I mean, Annie knows this about me and she's going to roll around. It's like, I don't even know how to begin that process. Like, I don't, what does that mean? You're here right now. I know that means I'm here right now. (laughs) And I'm trying to work on not thinking about the future. But God, when you've lived 45 years, okay, let's just say 40 because one through five don't really count. Yes, they do. Well, I mean, they do because you were, you know. A lot of stuff happens one through five. But I just, I I can live in the now. I, I can live and know that I'm here in Annie's house. But it's just not trying to plan the future so much that I just can't let go of. So I think this is a a good topic to talk about because people, when they first start learning about presence, they're like, well, how do you never think of the future? Well, there are times where you're going to need to use your brain to think of the future. Like you need to pay bills so you have Mm -hmm. electricity and water and a home. Like there are parts of your life that you need to be aware of and use what we refer to as the thinking mind four mm-hmm. right because you know this is where I can really squirrel you so reel me in if it gets <laughs> wild but you are not your mind right mm-hmm. you are not your thoughts you are the space between the thoughts and my most common analogy that I use when I am discussing this is like consider yourself a football stadium since you mm-hmm. love the Packers mm-hmm. let's talk about this you are not the football game inside the stadium right mm-hmm. the game that's occurring is like your thoughts sometimes people come in The game is played, you have all these thoughts, and then sometimes the game stops and it's empty and the thoughts are gone. You're basically like the stadium. You're like the the house for the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, So to say all of that, I say you will need to use your thinking mind sometimes, right? And that may be to do your job. That may be to make sure that you're clothed and fed and have a place to be, to take care of an animal or someone else. But in between those moments where you're like, there's a difference between saying, I need to pay my light bill. Okay, period. On this day. Mm -hmm. Done. And I need to pay my my light bill. What if I can't pay my light bill? How much money is my light bill? Mm -hmm. Is my light bill $83 this this month? Last month, I think my light bill was $72. You think next month it'll be $93? (laughs) Like, there's a very big difference between using your thinking mind for functional things and allowing your thinking mind to go off the rails. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about presence, a lot of people struggle with that a lot and I struggle with it too and I have to catch myself and say your train's getting off the track let's just take a breath Mm -hmm. where are you right now what are your toes doing can you wiggle your toes can you feel your deep breath what is around you name me three things you can see two things Mm -hmm. you can hear one thing you can touch and taste like those kind of techniques to bring you back into the present moment And not really letting your mind take you on that journey through chaos Mm -hmm. that it so commonly likes to do. Mm -hmm. The mind is tricky. It really enjoys drama. (laughs) The mind, yeah, it could win an Oscar. I'm sure it has. And it's mostly because there's chemical responses Mm -hmm. when we're having all of those thoughts. A lot of our thoughts are eliciting emotions. They're releasing chemicals in the brain. And the brain becomes addicted to patterns of thinking because of the chemicals that are being released during your emotional feelings that you're having you know so um yeah I love talking about presence it's like one of my favorite things if you've never listened to any of Eckhart Tolle's books Mm -hmm. highly recommend reading um The Power of Now or A New Earth he's a phenomenal teacher if you're not somebody that's into reading he has a YouTube channel where you can go and listen to his lectures but Mm -hmm. he is the probably the most trusted presence practitioner that I can say you know I'm just sharing his information. But, um, yeah, I think that's one of the best ways to really combat that future thinking habit. 
And the more that you like reel yourself in and not in a shameful way, because mm-hmm. I have, and this is another thing I've dealt with a lot and I know we've talked about it. I have a shame and guilt spiral that is out of control for anything. And this would be a really good topic for a later, uh, to dive deeper later on another. Oh, we can introduce Jacqueline. Oh, yeah. Ooh, maybe that's what we'll do next. Okay. Um, But, you know, I tend to shame myself or guilt myself um, based around basically everything in my life, whether it's eating or exercise or lack of exercise or lack of eating. Um, all of that sort of thing. So when I would first catch myself having these thoughts, my instinct was, gosh, how, look at you. You're already doing it again. You can't get yourself under control. And I wasn't even realizing that now my mind was shaming my mind (laughs) and and none of it was being present or aware. It was just all me trying to shame. So if you can have those moments where you catch yourself in your thinking mind and say, Oh, there it is again. And not go into, gosh, I can't believe I did that. Or how dare it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever your narrative is, Mm -hmm. it really makes a big difference. I need to work on that a little bit. Um, and just, my anxiety, like when you were talking about the, um, you know, what two things can you see? What two things can you hear? I know that that's a, you know, panic attack response mm-hmm. sort of thing, which I'm learning a lot about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought anxiety, again, being an ICU nurse, like I've seen panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought that that's what anxiety, like you had to be shaking yeah. and crying and hyperventilating. Um and I've had friends and family be like, oh, I'm having a panic attack. And I'm like, hmm. Um, but I think I'm learning a lot about how anxiety just can show up for no reason. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as what you have seen before. It can just slowly creep in. And like I said the other morning, I just woke up and was anxious. I don't know why, but I was. And my heart was racing. And. I was just very scattered and I just was able to address it and be like, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but, um, they do say that your subconscious comes out at night. So apparently something in my subconscious was, I don't even want to talk about my subconscious was not happy that night. Cause dreaming. Yeah. Oh yeah. My dreams right now are insane. I'm really dreaming right now. I think it's the medicine I'm on, but I had this dream that I think I told you this, that I was at, I had a mansion and Lil Wayne was performing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And after he got off stage, I was his handler and he was like, I'm really tired. I need to take a nap. And so I took him to this room and he transformed into an infant with like his adult little Wayne head. <laughs> and I just rocked him to sleep and sang. So I can't trust my subconscious. It's a wild, wild west. Oh, well, uh, I took Chantix to quit smoking about a year ago. And uh, the rumors about the dreams that you have on Chantix are true. And um, I think that my subconscious has PTSD from those dreams that I had when I took antics and it's like we can't do that anymore so i really don't know if i dream i mean i i try to think about it i mean but i don't wake up every morning with a oh that was a weird dream yeah yeah oh those chantix dreams i was like i think i need i need to go to a psych ward what i just dreamt about they'll get you yeah but to to piggyback on what you're saying about anxiety yeah like i've had panic attacks i've struggled with anxiety forever Mm -hmm. i can't tell you i didn't know that i was struggling with anxiety when i was struggling with it uh and i can't tell you what started or what caused it i think i was just born with it so to speak but um 
Yeah, like I have had panic attacks where I'm on the floor hyperventilating, puking. Like I remember the first panic I had, panic attack I had was in like a Shoney's at like age nine or like 10. My parents, my mom, I was like hyperventilating. I was like, you can't feel my hands. And my mom was like, breathe in this paper bag. Why she had a paper bag, I don't know. Um, But she did. And I was like, okay, you know, like I just, it just happened. I don't know why. Um, That would be an interesting thing for me to dive deep into some hypnotherapy for. But um, I think it's true you know and I I think we're really lucky to live in a time when mental health is being discussed more now than ever so people are more understanding of like this is what anxiety can look like um but more importantly this is how anxiety feels inside and sometimes it's invisible to other people Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't know that I you know I'm having an internal struggle Mm -hmm. by just looking at me so I think it's really important to be like like cognizant of that when you're dealing with other people in life um, and to really honor yourself as you're going through those feelings and being really aware of how that anxiety presents inside of you like how it feels and that also ties in with presence you know that was one of the bigger things I've been trying to focus on learning myself when I'm feeling emotion instead of hearing the mental story behind the emotion of sadness or whatever what does sadness feel like Mm -hmm. physically in my body? Mm -hmm. Because I've not really until recently been taught to feel physically your emotion. Mm -hmm. I've always been taught to rationalize your emotion, which is a really fun habit. If you've never done it, you should try. (laughs) Um, But I am just now getting to a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, when I am angry, my heart races, my blood feels hot, my breath is fast, sometimes I sweat. And I've really focused in on that so much because that's what I'm trying to teach my kids is Mm -hmm. how to process your emotion physically and mentally as well but first and foremost physically so that you can tell when that emotion is going to subside based on how you're feeling as opposed to the story you're telling yourself that keeps it going so as a child I was often told to stop crying Mm. um and so I have trained myself to not be a crier um don't cry in front of other people don't let them see you cry and even as you know and I would tell myself, stop crying. You're stop crying, stop Mm -hmm. crying. And through this journey and everything, I have learned to allow myself to cry and do what you just said. Like, Hey, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Just cry. And it's okay. Just let it out. You can cry. Don't be afraid to cry. Um, because what would happen is I would tell myself, stop crying. And then it would just domino effect into you're a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, like what you were saying, I have learned to not just with crying anxiety, but even with happiness, just to be like, that's what happy feels like. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm so thankful. Like, this is great. Like, I'm this is I'm happy. Um, And you almost kind of sound like a five year old, like, you know, I'm happy today or Mm -hmm. I'm sad or I'm angry Um, But being able to recognize those emotions and allow yourself to feel those emotions really is a sense of relief, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And um, just also for the record, I know we talk about me crying a lot, um, (laughs) which it it is true. I do cry a lot. But this has been very cathartic for me because I used to not be a crier. I love crying. I'm a crier. I love it. I remember um, at work... um, 
there were a couple of opportunities. That's terrible. (laughs) There were a couple occasions at work that I would cry. And I just remember my coworkers always being like, yeah, the world is like why, Something's why, why is Jess crying? Uh, are we okay? Do <laughs> yeah. we need to run? Um, but that was just because I was very standoffish and like, don't touch me, don't look at me. Um, and there was an instance where a doctor came up and hugged me, and I allowed him to hug me. And I think the whole world, the whole unit was just like, I don't know what just happened. But I have learned to embrace that part of me and also to embrace the help that when I am crying, like, you know. It's okay. Well, that's you. Like a lot of that was you living the story that other people wrote for Mm -hmm. you. And we've talked about that too. You Mm -hmm. know, when you um, really live the story that somebody's made you believe that you are, it's very different than when you're like, no, wait a second. I like hugs. Mm -hmm. Like I'm okay crying Mm -hmm. and that's all right. And I think especially when you're in your childhood and somebody invalidates you by shutting your emotions down. And it's not that they're necessarily always doing it out of, malice, right? Sometimes they don't know how to process their feelings. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing the exact same thing. You know, they're like, oh, we can't cry in this family. You better get that together. Mm -hmm. But what that ends up doing, I think, is teaching people um, suppression to the extent that they are afraid to have feelings Mm -hmm. in the future because they don't know how aggressive that feeling can feel so for example you know feelings extreme sadness like every emotion has a peak and then it and then it tapers away Mm -hmm. right Um, a lot of people get stopped and learn to suppress prior to the peak of their feelings so they're afraid to start feeling because they don't know how sad you can feel Mm -hmm. right they don't know if you'll ever stop crying because they've never been allowed to feel the feeling all the way through and see the peak and then the come down. And I think that makes such a huge difference when you're able to allow space for children or even adults to fully feel their feeling Mm -hmm. without feeling the need to fix it, to tell them why they shouldn't feel it, to interrupt their pattern of feeling. That's why active listening is so important Mm -hmm. to people um, because it, you know, not everybody is coming to you crying because they need your opinion on what you should have done differently in that scenario. A lot of times they just want you to listen Mm -hmm. and like be there and be present, which is hard for people pleaser like us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we want to fix it. Um, Yeah, but I agree. Like, I think that's honestly how you and I started talking so much is because I was able to talk about my feelings and um, you didn't validate, you know, I mean, you did when it was appropriate, but yeah, you didn't come in and try to fix it. Now I get, and I've been very aware of it, but when I'm frustrated about something and someone comes in to try to fix it I'm vocalizing hey I really appreciate it but I don't need you to try to fix it I just need you to listen right now Mm -hmm. um which you know kind of takes some people off sometimes but that frustrates me more if you know or the well what if I'm like I I can't what if I do that enough this is not a situation that I need to what if the but what if he does call or what if the bank does send you a hundred thousand dollars, you know, like <laughs> what bank, what, yeah, you know, but the what ifs, I'm like, I can't want if it, I'm just, if that's the conversation you want to have, then I can't continue this conversation. So, um, yeah, just like you said, allowing people to feel their emotions and it's, it's hard sometimes when you're talking to someone, cause there's a lot of awkward silence, but sometimes that's all they need. And I think it's important that you recognize, like, and this is could, this is going to be like a totally different, 
this could be a really deep dive basically, but it's important that you recognize who in your life is someone safe Mm -hmm. to talk to about things and who is someone that you're constantly receiving unequal energy from. So um, I talk a lot about equal energy relationships and those are the people that are able to listen to you the same way you're able to listen to them that you just kind of feel at home with when you're discussing things. And there are people out there who are the opposite where you're investing more energy than they are they're not willing to listen to you so just be aware in your life who is truly there to be there uh, and present with you versus who are you just using as an outlet because you need to get it out Mm -hmm. because then you may be doing yourself more damage than good Um, and if you're somebody that has nobody to talk to um, I highly recommend a therapist Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it it literally is just to be able to get everything out there to an unbiased person who isn't going to come back with an opinion, even if it's in, even it's because, even if it, their opinion is because they love you so much and they don't want to see you hurt. Sometimes it's like, I've got to learn this lesson on my own. Mm-hmm. I need you to just hear me learning it <laughs> mm-hmm. and support me through that. And there's so many resources out there now for therapy. Um, you know, there's better help. There's the telehealth. Um, you know, you can go in person. Um, I have found a therapist that I really enjoy because it's not me laying on the couch reliving all the traumas in my past. It's me talking about the present, how those relate to me from my past, and just she's really empowering. So if you think that it's laying on the couch and, you know, the doctor asking you all these questions about your childhood, it's not really about all that. Um but yeah, I did better help for a while and I really liked it. Um, it was easy. It was a phone call. Um, but I'm a in person, I'm old, so I need to go to that doctor's office and, yeah. and talk, but there's a lot of resources out there. So if you're interested or need help, just let Annie and I know when we can point you in, that point direction. You in the right direction. Yeah. I've never used BetterHelp, but just for the record, we are not sponsored. No, we are not sponsored. But Sorry. open to sponsorship. So <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor. But um, I know that the Fair Trade Commission is going to get like really strict on at, uh, telling if you're sponsored or affiliated oh, with okay. people. So for the record, we have no sponsors yet, but maybe one day. Um, but I, I like, I really like that there, there are uh, things out there like BetterHelp that can that can connect you with somebody that you can talk to and that there's different modalities. Mm -hmm. You know, some people like us, we're in-person girls. Like I want to be in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to see you and experience your energy in person. And uh, some people are FaceTime people and some people are text people. And I think it's great that there's different options for every single person as far as getting help um, and, and having a place to have a safe place to land. Mm -hmm. So this has been a really great episode about control. I'm almost shocked that it's over. I know. Um, I think we're going to have an even better episode next time. We didn't even cry today. I know. Do we get an award? No. Do you want a Scooby snack? You are all about the awards. Listen, let's t- I'll talk about that. Okay. Rewards? Yeah. Yes. I'm all, I know. About, I'm all about a reward because I feel like I haven't celebrated myself enough in life. Okay. Well, yeah, we can you get know? a reward. Okay. What is get? it? I don't know. I don't either. That I didn't cry? I don't know, just like a high five? Okay, high five. Good job, Jess. (laughs) All right, guys, thank you again for listening. If you don't mind giving us a rating and leaving a comment or a review, we would really appreciate it. And share us with a friend because we really enjoy hearing feedback on our podcasts Mm -hmm. so much. If you have anything you ever want us to talk about, feel free to leave that as well. And we will see you guys later. Bye, y'all. Have a good day. Bye.